Hey, everybody. How are you? Are you doing well? I bet you're doing well. You're giving me that vibe. I can just kind of tell it. I can feel it in the ether. It's good. It's good to be back with another episode of the podcast. Uh, we got back today from a show in Charlotte, North Carolina, one of our favorite cities. I feel like one of the more underrated of the cities, if I can be 100% honest with you. You know, we always talk about New York and we talk about Atlanta and all that, but Charlotte, it doesn't come up enough. And we played at the Evening Muse. And if you were at that show, I really appreciate you coming out. Uh, it may be one of our last shows of the year, uh, just with pandemic and Delta variant and all that stuff. We're just kind of laying low until things kind of safen up, which is not a uh, which is not a verb I get to use ever. <laughs> safen up. But if you're in Mississippi or Alabama, we're going to be coming in early October. So if you want to check our socials or our website, we'll have the dates to that. We're kind of, as I'm recording this, we're figuring out the details to that. Hopefully, we have them sorted. It's seriously. Day by day, it changes, if you can believe it. We're just, we're trying to figure it out as we go. And we're enjoying every second of it. And in the meantime, we're just trying to write a new album, a new EP. We don't even know what it is yet. We, we've we started something, and I am in the weeds overcoming the this part that I always go through, which is ridiculous writer's block. It happens every time we release something. And maybe you know that we released an album in 2020 called Joymonger. And the second I pushed publish, it's like I had never had an idea in the first place. I just completely am dried up. It's like, I'm like, what else do I have to say? It reminds me of uh, when I was in a band when I was growing up, the first band I was ever in. It was with my friend Jimmy. He, he wore blue jean shorts and a Dragon Ball Z t-shirt. And he had a haircut that was like, his mom put a salad bowl on his head and then just cut around the ends of it. That's kind of his vibe. But we started a band together called Idiot Box. And we we met after, after you know, seventh period. We were in the seventh grade, and, and we learned these Blink-182 songs, and we, we let our friend Channing come and play in the band, and we just pl- played cover songs. That's all we knew how to do. We played Blink-182 songs, and we played Green Day songs. And then one day Channing came with his own song. And we thought he was just a god. We had no idea that little people that went to high school could write songs. And I got so jealous. I left rehearsal just so mad at him. And then I went home and I was watching Spider-Man and I wrote my own song. And it was called Our Hero, inspired by the web slinger. And then when I came back to the next rehearsal, I was king. And ever since that song, the song about Spider-Man, I have been a songwriter. And every time... It's like I forget it, like it never happened. And that's currently what we're talking about on the podcast. It's just it's just a wild time. And just being a songwriter is so neurotic. It's so all over the place. And we are in the thick of it right now. So I wanted to talk to Aaron specifically about what it's like to be married to someone that is so manic on a regular basis, but especially right now. Uh, as I'm overcoming writer's block, we've recorded the first song off the record. We have, we have pursued, I feel like I'm pushing through. It's, it feels like it's different this time, but because I've, I've been here before and Aaron has been here before and it just feels like together we're going to make it through it. But maybe you're a songwriter and you're listening to this and you think, no, I'm in writer's block. It never ends. And I just, I just want you to know that you are not alone because I will probably be back in it tomorrow and the next day, and then I'll be good and then batting it. But it's just a really vulnerable conversation about what it feels like to have writer's block, about how we overcome writer's block, where, where maybe it comes from. It's just, it, I don't know. It's just something I'm totally 
fascinated by. And I'm very lucky to be married to a woman that will see me at my lowest, which is probably the way I act when I have writer's block. Uh, If you want the other half of this conversation, we are talking about Only Murders in the Building. It is a show on Hulu. It has Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. I don't have to pitch you anything else uh, because already you know it's probably the perfect show, except it's a murder mystery comedy. It has everything that you didn't know you wanted, and it's on Hulu, and we talk about it over on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash ojeremiah, you can find all of it there. We do exclusive music. We do vlogs. We do all kinds of stuff. It is legitimately the number one way to get your OJ fix. It's all happening on Patreon. Okay, that's it. That's all I got. Let's jump into the episode. Mississippi and Alabama, I hope we see you soon. Everybody else, I hope you stay safe. Until then, here is me and Aaron talking deep about Rider's Block. Let's do it. I want it to be you talking on the intro. I want to get together. Yeah. Okay, so I am in a very familiar part of the creative cycle for me. And I thought it would be really fun if we talked about it, since you have to go through this every time we release music. Right. (laughs) And I thought it would be really fun if you could, if I could ask you what it's like to be married to someone that is this unlivable when they go through writer's block. It's like... When you're about to close your eyes <laughs> to fall asleep at midnight because you've been talking about the same song for two hours and what to do with it. And then being like, I think we need to keep talking about it. So just like, let's just keep pushing through. That feels like and a then, really specific <clears throat> hypothetical example. It is. Yeah, it is. It happened last weekend. Yeah, they really and did. And it's just, it's just always talking about the same thing. It's always, it's just... It's it's really just I'm I joke, but it's really just calming the same insecurity over and over again. Right, because and I think that's an important. Sorry, no, that's an important <laughs> end of end of podcast. yeah end of podcast. We solved it. Uh, that's I think what it that, is for me. I think that's important. What you said though, which is it's reoccurring, like it comes back over and mm-hmm. over and over. Well, because I kind of called you out on it in our midnight chats last week. Of I can't stress enough how close I was to falling asleep and how little I think I even helped you finish the song still laying horizontally right yeah I'm not 100% sure you were still awake right by the end of it yeah yeah, yeah. like that's how that's I how think, I was like uh-huh, let's go back record. let's go back to Saturday I think that's a good place to to I, start I thought we were planning that yeah so the whole cycle like you always get to this point where you think that like you you write a really cool melody or you have a really good chorus. It's usually this. It's usually you have the chorus but you're questioning the verses. That's that's your typical interesting cycle. Okay. And from what I can tell. No, that's because usually whenever I get a chorus, I know like the chorus is the face of the song. Right, because if it happens in reverse, the cycle doesn't happen cuz you're like, "Ah, never mind, I don't really want to do that anyway." Right. Um but the chorus like carries a lot of weight understandably so but especially for you in regards to how your insecurity uh breeds itself yes um and reproduces uh more insecurity (laughs) because you'll have like a chorus and then you'll just be like it's just it's never gonna get done i'm never gonna write a song again 
And you truly believe that? Oh, you could not convince me otherwise. And it's like hilarious to me that you believe that because you'll be like, well, so-and-so says he writes a song every day and I'm not doing that. And I was like, Jeremiah, can we just break it down for a minute? Do you really think that someone is is cranking out 365 songs a year? So his name is John Bellion. Yes. And, and I do think he writes that. a lot. He writes so much. But I also think that that doesn't mean a song a day and that he's over-exaggerating. But, yeah, I, it's, I don't know. What else do you want to ask me about it? Well, so I think that there is something to writing a song a day. I think that there is a magic to that. I don't know. And I also know that is not right for me because... If I wrote a song a day, it would be 365 and one-fourth bad songs. But why can't you just write something a day? And I think that because is what... So that was the argument you gave me. Because I don't think writers, like authors, are like, I'm going to write a chapter every day. Right. They're not saying that. No, I know. They're just like, I'm going to write every day. I'm going to show up to it every day. Okay, so then tell me this, though. Is the song done that we worked on last week? The song is... The song is at a spot where it is done in my brain to put on a shelf as a done song. Yes, because... At some point, you, you got to go into the studio and figure out what the song is completely. Your insecurity lives at 40, in between 40 and 70% done. That is a... Oh, my gosh. That is an incredible pie chart of my insecurity. Yeah, that's where it lives. That was a very impressive just... A 10,000 foot view of all of my baggage yeah. that you just found. Because if the song is like 30% done, you're like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm I'm going to like keep chipping away at it. But then as soon as you hit 40, you're just like, it doesn't exist. No. And the song, song is dead. And whenever I get to like 65, I'm, the thought always goes to, I'm going to screw it up. <laughs> like... I know. When I know. when we were in the studio. So, but there's also this. It's also between 60 and 70 is whenever you start asking me if something's working. Yes. And then I give you the answer and then you and don't then believe me. And then I don't me. believe you. Yes. I'm like, oh, she's only saying that because she doesn't want me to be mad at her. When, but once you get over the hump of 40 to 70, then your 70 to 100 is like, is usually totally secure and fine. Yes. I I remember when we were in the studio for our first album and all I had, I had, it was the only time in our career I had 10% of a song that I went into the studio with. Mm-hmm. And it was dinner conversations. Mm-hmm. And all I had was the ding, do, ding, 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 do, ding. I had that, and that's all I had. Mm-hmm. And I played it for the producer, and he was like, dude, that's making it on the record. And I remember being like, but it's not anything. And he goes, okay, we'll make it something. And I only needed that 10% to show up. Like, there's this weird, like, okay, I have an audience, I have a need, it's game time. You gotta, you gotta do the thing. Yeah, it's like the whole external motivation. Like, if someone else gives you the goal to make it happen, then you're gonna do it. Yes. Randy Newman says, I, I only work on deadlines. Like, if someone gives me a deadline, I come through every time. But whenever I'm left to my own devices, it doesn't get done. Yeah, and that's what's happening with you right now. Yes. If I were to tell you, hey, um... Like if you had a 40% one that's in your back pocket that you don't, that you believe has a hole in the pocket. Uh, a hole? Does it also have a pocket inside the pocket? Are we talking about a second pocket? I meant like, it was kind of like a <laughs> metaphor on like the song idea is like gone in your mind. 
Okay, got it. Like it's not truly in your back pocket because your back pocket's playing a trick on you. Got okay. And it has a whole very strange analogy that we're going through here. But I love analogies. uh, Yeah, I like I like analogies that I understand. (laughs) This one is a little bit further from me than it should be. I I tried really hard. No, no, I liked the effort. It was forty percent. But so now I forgot where I was going. Your your idea that falls out your back pocket. Well, you pocket. You you were Um, talking. You were talking about. Oh, if you have something that's like forty percent. Wait. Okay, yeah. So it won't matter if you had something that was below 40% whenever someone gives you a, a, a deadline. But if you're left to your own devices and you have no deadlines, that 40% song is going to stay there for a long time. My fo- my phone is filled with audio memos of 30% done songs. Yeah. Like, it's filled to the brim. And that's why the 40 is so accurate, because if you got to 40% of these songs... You get to that cycle, but you leave a lot of them in 30 so that you don't have to deal with your insecurity. A hundred percent. That meets you at 40. But if I had a deadline. Oh my gosh, that's so accurate. If I had a deadline that was like, hey, we need 10 songs by whatever. Yeah. Then I would much more frequently take those songs to 40 to 70 percent. That's what I was going to say is that like if if that 40 percent song that I'm talking about. If I were to say, hey, we have studio time tomorrow, you have to be done, you would finish it. I would finish it, 100%, which is why I'm learning what's really important is that I have time on the calendar, and I know I have to have a song by this day, or I'm going to be paying for something I'm not going to get. Totally. Like, we're going to be putting money into the studio, so I need something, I need a hammer to fall on me to make action happen. (laughs) Yeah. Because otherwise, I will just sit and, and like, just dwell and, like, stew and then spiral out of control, which is where I was last Saturday. So I guess the question for me is, how, how do I prevent this from happening if I don't have a schedule? Because part of the greatest thing about being an indie musician is that you get to decide what you want and when you want to do it. And for me, every time we release a record, I go through this every single time. And, and so think, that way you don't murder me in my sleep. No. Well, I, I don't think you knew that it was something you did every time until I said that last week. Yes. And when you said it, it hurt even worse uh, <laughs> than it probably should have because you're like, it wasn't just, oh, you're in this bad spot. It was more like, oh, here we go again. And that just totally threw me for a loop. Because it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't a surprise at all. You were acting like it was like a very new thing that you did. Yes. Well, and I think I was, I called you out on it and was just like, well, you keep, you keep getting to this cycle because it's something that you're familiar with. If you don't want it to keep happening, then you have to figure out how to break that cycle. Yes. Because it's become a habit in your songwriting now. Yes, it is. I'm at this part of the process, which is about halfway through finishing the writing of a record i get about to this point and then i have breakthrough and then i write 20 songs in an afternoon yeah like that's usually what happens but how do you skip this part and just get to where it's always joy you tell me i don't know that's what i'm trying to find because the the process for me is we release a record i think i've said it all i'm done i've said everything that i want to say and then it's like well we haven't released new music in like six months 
I guess I should start writing again. And to me, like six months is like nothing. Well, whenever it, we're like, six months well, out, when we're six months out, I know anymore. that I have to write the song and then record the song and then prep the release. So it's like, I know that if I'm six months out, I'm really a year and a half out. So like, I just know that's the process usually. And my, when I get to that point and I'm in this spot, the voice in my head is telling me it's already gone. Like the thing, that, the muse that you're waiting for, the inspiration that you seek is already behind you. Yeah. And there's nothing else you have to look forward to. And that's what the voice in my head always wants to tell me. And I, and I was telling that to my friend who was also a therapist. And he said, that voice in your head is actually trying to protect you from hurt because that voice is is walking you through the potential outcomes of of where this could go and i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher this completely because it was it's been it's been a few months since he told me this and it was one of those things where i'm never gonna forget this moment and now i can barely rehearse it at all but uh he told me for that voice to work for your good Mm -hmm. because that voice is on your team shockingly but you have to teach it how to talk to you because it's protecting you because it's protecting me because it it is expecting the worst that is the fear in me yeah and i think it goes back to i think i told you this that that night that we like stayed up to work on that song like it's actually really easy to change your thoughts it's just a matter of doing it Yes. It's not a hard thing to be like, no brain, don't, like, let's think about this instead. Right. It's not a hard, difficult thing to do. It's very easy. But, like, it's just a matter of actually doing it. Right. And... When it happens. Because it's, it's... I'm trying to think, because, like, the opposite of hard would be easy, so then why would I, why would I make that example? But it's, like, it's just something... It's a pattern that you've gotten so used to. Well, it's almost like you're in a relationship with someone. They take advantage you take advantage of you in the same way every time. And then at some point you have to go, no, friend, this is my this is what I need. Yeah. And that totally shifts the relationship. And I feel like that's what I would have to do to overcome that voice in my head. Go, hey, if you're going to hang out here. If you're going to be here while I write these songs, this is how you have to behave or else you're not allowed here anymore. Because that voice, a a more helpful way to 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 behave would say, hey, maybe you've written this kind of song before. Maybe we should explore other things or actually that this song actually doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe we should refine the word like proactive criticism inwardly is a healthy thing. Right. Instead of. Like, if your friend brought you something they were proud of, you wouldn't be like, you're ugly and I hate you and you should walk off into the ocean. (laughs) You would say, wow, thank you for showing me this. Have you ever thought this? You know? Yeah. If they they asked for your criticism, you would gently give them your thoughts. No one would ever be like, yeah, let me get my baseball bat and just beat you to death with it over this drawing you just did. I think it's almost like the same courtesy of like asking your friend if they want the advice or if they want to just be heard. And so you might just like ask your voice of that of like do I really want you to enter in this space or do I not need you for this because there's a I think that's a great thought because there's so much of songwriting which is it starts on the couch that you're sitting on right now I get my guitar and I just start jabbering 
Right. I just start playing through G, C, and D chords, and then yeah. at some point, a line will come out, and I'll be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And if I invite that voice in before that even happens, I'm never going to even get to that part. John Mayer did this thing on Instagram where he was some he was doing an Ask Me Anything, and he said, songwriting is one part divine inspiration and three parts code cracking. And I think that, to me, is just incredible advice. And code cracking is where you let your inner critic speak too much. Well, right. And in the same post, he said, cancel the plans, let it ruin you. This is part of the process. So and even what the heck am I supposed to do? Well, even John Mayer is like, this is what mm-hmm. it's like to be a songwriter. Right. So are you supposed to just like not tell me? Well, no, I want to get better and healthier at the craft for your sake, because I don't believe in the tortured artist. I believe in, I feel like I was born to do this and I want to do it until I'm a hundred and I want to do it without you punching me every time I go. I'm, I don't, you make it seem like I'm. No, it's my insecurity saying that you would never, you would never reject me in that way. Get over it. Yeah. 40. Yeah. You're, you're 58. Stop doing this. That's, but that's, that's the fear. I think if I'm really honest with myself, I think that I have a very, how do I say it? I think I'm the needy one in my relationship with songwriting. I step up to the plate every time, like it's my last chance. And I just want to beat it to death with love. And I, I can feel myself being the codependent, overbearing one in the relationship. And you don't really let it find you? And I don't let it find... Well, no, no. There are moments where it comes to me. The song we were talking about on Saturday. Right. So it definitely felt like the chorus was a gift from nowhere. And I didn't want to mess it up. Like it felt like someone was giving me their heart and saying, I'm trusting you with this. Mm-hmm. And instead of being like, I'm going to love you unconditionally without any effort, I go... Well, do you want me to love you like this? Do you want me to do that? Do, do you like flowers? I'll go get you flowers. That's what it felt like. Yeah, that is true. And I want to be more uh, at rest. I want to be more confident. Secure like, about it. Yeah it's, yeah. it's the same. Like, I never overthink our relationship. I never, in from the beginning of our relationship, we met, <clears throat> fell in love in 20 minutes, and I've never doubted it since then. Mm-hmm. I want to I want that to be true with the craft of songwriting, which is songwriting will come. It will do its part. I have to do mine and trust that it will show up when it's time to show up. And I think that sometimes you do, but it's more rare than not. Yeah. Like cuz I have cuz I think everyone has their thing that they're insecure about, that they're worried about, right? Yeah. Because like I do, like, I get in, in my head about our relationship. I know I'm I'm not, like, questioning it. But, like, that's the thing that, like, I can, I'm prone to get insecure about. Right. That's my thing that I have to deal with. Yeah, and I think if it wasn't this. It'd be something else. Well, it would be something else. and And I think that's a big part of why it's so hard for me now is because this thing kept me from making so many other bad decisions. Like, I remember there were dudes I went to high school with that I was really close with before I was a songwriter. Yeah. And I got further and further from them as I was being a songwriter. And our senior year, 
they all got arrested for bringing a gun to school and they all worked together to hide the gun at school. And it was like the group of friends I was in. Yeah. And they were all arrested. Yeah. And I remember going. How are you not a part of that? Because I just stopped hanging out with those people. Yeah. Like, because of music? Or? Because of music. Because I, it was literally nothing was interesting to me besides music once I'd found music. Yeah. And I mean, music is how I express everything. It's how I express my faith. It's how I express my emotions, my, my thoughts. It is, it is this all-encompassing way of putting feelings into a place that I'm comfortable with feelings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, and the, before COVID, I never realized how uncomfortable I am with feelings. I like to gawk at them like they're at a museum and songwriting gives you that museum. Like it let, it lets me be insecure. It lets me be joyful. It lets me be horribly depressed inside the world of a song. And I can say, see, that's how I felt that one time. I don't want to talk about it now, but that's how that felt then, you know? <laughs> and yeah, I just, I, songwriting has been such a gift for me in that way. And it makes, it's no surprise that I put so much pressure on it. Yeah. And that pressure will always lead back to writer's block. Yeah. And so our favorite show ever is Ted Lasso. Well, and and also Dave, which the whole new season is about this. But there's this one episode in Ted Lasso in the new season where the team captain starts getting the yips and he cannot perform his duty. And no matter what, he's just like bringing the team down and they get Roy Kent to take him to his old schoolyard soccer field. Mm -hmm. And he's like, why did you bring me here? And he goes, because you forgot that this was supposed to be fun. Mm -hmm. This is a game you played when you were a kid. So go out there and remember what it's like to have fun. Well, what's that version for you? I, I used to stay in on a Friday night just to write songs about animals. Totally. Yeah. And that was all I ever wanted. Yeah. And it's the only thing I've ever wanted. It, it does really feel like self-care whenever you stay in on an evening for songwriting purposes. Yeah, because I think... It's you kind of like nurturing that, I think. Yeah, I think the, the eternal lie that I've told myself and that songwriters tell themselves is this has to go somewhere. Like yep. this has to live on the radio. This has to live on Spotify playlists. This has to be all of these things when really... We write songs for the sake of the song, and we write the song for the sake of ourselves. Yeah, it never has to go further than that. It's yeah. a joy, and it's a it's a luxury if it is. Yeah, I am not a luxurious p people, so I don't <laughs> I don't expect it to be anything other than that. Well, but you never just have a song for yourself. You've released everything. I release everything because I'm I'm proud of my babies. I think no, no, and you you hold lyrics to yourself. Yes. But like songs, if you've, you will finish them. Well, one of the really important parts of this year and this process of writing this record, because I think we accidentally started another record and that's what brought all these feelings up is. Notice how you said accidental. <laughs> well, I do. I think it was accidental. Like, right. Because when we were in the studio, we both were like, this feels like something new entirely. Oh, instead of just the single guy. Okay, and I got you see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like, it just, it felt like, oh, we started saying something new here. Like, it felt like I could feel my body saying, you're, you're in the middle of telling a story right it's now. It's different. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I have started journaling more. Yeah. 
And I, you know, because I started therapy, I've, I've really leaned in towards grief and towards hurt and towards the 18 months we've all been experiencing together. Yeah. But part of the work as a songwriter is showing up every day, even if that is a little bitty win, there is, that's like writing one lyric that you don't even like. Like if that's what you can do that day, that's what you can do that day. But a big part of it to me has been journaling my feelings. And that's where I'm finding the songs that need to be written in me because I'm, I think songwriting is self therapy in so many ways. So it's like sing the song that you need to hear. And that's where they'll come from first. Because I think about whenever I was younger, like I wrote our song Happy Now by accident. Like it happened so quickly. And I think it was because at that time in my life, I was I felt so detached from responsibility. I had nothing to lose. Happy Now has a lot of weight over you. It really does. Because I remember writing it and how easy it was to write it. That it's not the song itself that that looms over me. It's the fact that it was so easy. Because I wrote that song, Circles, in Mississippi, I'm Yours, in the same week. It was a big week for us. (laughs) (laughs) But the same thing happened with Liza. Yeah. The same thing happened with Late Bloomer. Like, Mm -hmm. I I still have that. But it's just, it's a very surreal, like, maybe there's like this honor and suffering that I'm like trying to work my way out of. I think you're creating that because Happy Now has like a weird hold over you. Yeah. Sorry. No, this. Th- thank you for letting me process through all this stuff. This this feels very uh, healing for me. Uh, share your experience of Saturday night. I I loved having someone. Mm, let me back up. I'm I, I'm going to answer this the long way. I'm going to take the scenic route to answer your question. I'm really surprised. Oh, surprise! So one of the most helpful books I've ever read on inspiration and creativity is called Creativity Incorporated by Pixar. Yeah. And it changed the way that I look at songwriting because it's not about songwriting. It's about the the craft of telling a story and the craft of manufacturing creativity. And that sounds like such a dirty, filthy, like capitalistic thing to say. But it is legitimately the process of how one writer will take a story from the beginning to Toy Story and... They, there's this part in that process where they have they have worked so hard on the movie. They draw out the sketches, the plot. The, they're like, this is where we think the story is going to go. And then they bring it to the brain trust, which is the tight knit group of people that they trust no matter what. The people that have nothing to lose, have nothing to gain, but say, I see you and I think this is what's working and what's not. Well, they've earned a right in that space. And they've earned a, a spot at That's the table. I like to yes. say that. And then they present the idea and then they go around the room and they say, here's what's working. Here's what's not. And then the writer, director, whatever leaves and makes the changes. And sometimes they don't make the changes because they say, I think that they're wrong on this. Yeah. Saturday night, you are the CEO of my brain trust. You're my shareholders. (laughs) You are the, I mean, you're the accountant. You keep all the books. Mm -hmm. And Saturday night was a meeting of, like, there's no money. We have no money. Like, the company's going under. The cops are out there. I'm going to court. And you're like, there's nothing to fear. Like, mm-hmm. that's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Because I have friends in my life that I send songs to and I say, dude, what is what is it? Yeah. It 
sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, go ahead. It, um, it's funny because whenever you're in that space, I have to really remind myself to not take it personally because like you'll, I'll give you like a really good piece of advice or I'll give you like the truth about something and I'm not in, in like the kindest way. And like there are just certain things that you're just so unwilling to hear in those moments that I, it's like I have to really navigate what I'm going to push through with and like try and if it's worth pushing through because we've had this conversation with friends before of like, you're such a good question asker. You always, your friends really probably feel really cared for because you like know how to like ask how they're doing. But there's one season of your life that you're like, no one's asking me how I'm doing. And me and some other close friends kind of pointed out to you like, hey, you actually make it really hard to get through to you in those spaces. Like you don't really open the door fully for that to, to happen. Hmm. And so on Saturday, I like push my way through that door. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And um, Because at that point, I was in such distress. You're like, what have I got to lose? Yeah, I would say something. And you're like, yeah, I mean, that's not going to that's not going to do anything like you would just push back on everything. And. Yeah, I I definitely I don't mean that I say that lovingly. I mean, oh, that's if, a, and it, I felt love loved an hour after the conversation. <laughs> I definitely didn't feel it during and before. But after. But then when I was like, sleeping, hey, do you want to get your guitar and let's let's figure this song out together? Yes. That, that was something that I hadn't done before. Usually I like come in at a later process, but I was like, I think he needs someone to be in the cycle with him. And when you when even you if did I was that, half asleep. Yeah, when you did that, you were basically showing your heart and you were like, see, it looks just like yours. <laughs> and I will sit here with you and just hurt with you. Yeah. And that's what I that's what got me over the hump. It yeah. wasn't because you had this amazing, oh, it's because you need to rhyme orange with florange. <laughs> <laughs> but it it wasn't because you had the the secret code that the song needed. It was literally because you were like, "Hey, I'll get down in the in the ditch with you." Yeah. And that's sometimes that's all that you need. Sometimes that's all you can ask for. I know. Like whenever I had my insomnia and I think about the time like you'd always just wake up with me and be like, "Oh, okay, what?" But one time I I had been staring at the ceiling like all night and I was like so tired that I was like emotional. And you were like, "Hey, Let's go watch Gilmore Girls in the living room. And I was like, nah. And that's what we did. I probably fell asleep just from the joy that I had in my heart from from that. Well, and it's funny you say that because I could have finished the song from the joy of just being asked, do you want to go get your guitar and work this out? <laughs> it was exactly, exactly that feeling. Exactly. Okay. Well, I love you. Love uh, you as well, Florange. The Florange. I did rhyme orange with Florange. Which is uh, funny because they grow in Florida. Flo. Yeah, that's not that. Yowza. Did that not work out? No, not even close. I mean, okay. okay, let's uh let's jump over to Patreon. I love you. I love you. <laughs>